where there are some islands just in the middle of the Aegean Sea that are loaded with cats. It's hilarious. I love it. <laughs> I want that chapter in the Odyssey. Oh, yeah. yes. That's the real island. Forget um, Circe. What we needed was the island of cats. That's where Odysseus should have yeah. gotten lost for 10 years. Um, yeah. No, I mean, that's that's where he really did. When he got back, <laughs> his wife was like, what's all these scratches on you? And he's like, I had an affair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. Eh, eh. I drank some tea before I started this take, so I here I am tumbling on the introduction. Now it's my turn to mess Rookie up uh, the intro slash outro. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, Red, that means that you're going to absolutely nail the outro on this one for sure now oh, that I have, God. have fumbled the, the intro and appeased the problem gods. No, you're giving uh, them standards. My name is Blue, uh, and I'm joined by Red. Say hi. Yeah, what's up? <laughs> it's me. I bet you never saw this coming. And uh, and uh, Indigo uh, is is uh, hanging out. Indigo, say hi. No. Cool. Uh, <laughs> Rebellious face. We are doing great. Um, yeah, really nailing it. I've been tired lately. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh God! No. It's oh boy. Uh, doing good work, but like yikes! I'm I'm finishing up uh, the video for uh, for next Friday, which uh, I mentioned on on stream a couple weeks ago. Is Poland. <laughs> Which is hard. Uh, more on that yeah. next podcast episode. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Red, how have you been these, these past two weeks in, in between uh, our, our going up on the podcast? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, you know, mostly just slowly waiting for my plague immunity to build because yeah. that's very exciting. Pretty happy about being able to do things again. Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's been pretty chill. Just been, you know, working on comic stuff, channel stuff, napping occasionally. Fairly, you know... Standard business. Yeah, I've been trying to get on on Cleo's level when it comes to uh, the sleep schedule. Uh, obviously, mm. I, I can't nap. Whenever I wake up, I just feel like garbage. Um, yeah. That goes for naps and just in the morning. But uh, yeah. Cleo sleeps like so much, and I'm like, I've I've really got to get my numbers up. These are rookie numbers. So She's I've been an icon. On that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, we have had two two videos in the same uh, proverbial room uh, up on the channel these past two weeks, one of which was a trope talk that you had uh, last Friday, and then Mm -hmm. we had a brand new show, uh, second one of those in the month of May, uh, also in the uh, the big old library room, uh, which was Detailed Diatribe, which was a new thing that we had had put together, and I had a lot of fun with that. The the concept, I don't, Red, I don't even remember where exactly we came up with the concept, but we had the idea, and then we're like, oh, no, this rules. We absolutely have to do this. I, I actually do remember, because uh, I I think it was my idea, uh, but the vague one that I came up with was actually not a conversation. So, like, like the, the idea that I pitched was like, hey, you know, it occurs to me that a lot of times when I'm writing trope talks, I really just, like, I get really into the weeds with one specific example, and I have so much to talk about there that, like, sometimes I end up building the whole episode just around this one example, and... I'm not subtle. If that's an example in one of my trope talks, I'll be talking about it for four uninterrupted minutes. Everything else will be like, oh, they also do this here and here and here. But anyway, did I mention leverage yet? So yeah, it's it's, it's not exactly subtle because I am not a subtle person. But, you know, it did occur to me that like that individual thing, you know, when when you really click into one detail from one story and you're like, man, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Sometimes I can't put all of those thoughts in a trope talk, but I could put all of those thoughts into a dedicated video about that specific subject. 
Which is funny because it means I've just reinvented the video essay format that a lot of people do. <laughs> where it'll yeah. be like, they'll do a video <laughs> entirely about how cool a finale of a show was or how good a character's writing is. But, you know, we're doing it, so it's different. Basically what happened is that we, we reverse engineered Nando V movies one marvelous scene <laughs> format into a trope talk. Exactly. It's pretty much what we did. <laughs> so the the concept and we are going to try doing more of these going forward because people really like them and honestly yeah. they are so fast. Oh my god. I it's, don't even need to put in talking how frames. how straightforward it, it it is to make because from a production standpoint, let's peel back the curtain here. Just um a Usually we would have to animate um, the talking frames of, of Red's chibi uh, or, or mine, like gesturing and explaining things so that it doesn't mm-hmm. look lifeless. We can't really do that for two people because we would have to put in a second chair and then we don't have a projector. And mm-hmm. we can't both fit in the chair. So what we did instead was we made adorable little plushies, which everyone seems to love, and oh, then we yeah. don't have to animate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then it's just B-roll, and barring... Copyright claim goblins. Uh, adding the B-roll is very painless. <laughs> Sorry, war I, flashbacks. <laughs> I, I I put this in the, the text of the, of the video because I had to. The the yeah. Samurai Jack video that we started this this show with uh, for the first episode of Samurai Jack was so easy to make, and then I went to upload it, and then for two straight days I was just recutting. Re-uploading, mm-hmm. reprocessing, and waiting for TNT to block uh, the video, and then cutting it up again and trying again. It was so frustrating. I woke up that first morning to five emails that were like, "Your video has been copyright claimed and blocked in all countries." I was like, "Uh, blue." Um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, fun so stuff was, there. That was a little problematic, but little uh, for the bit. most part, they're really straightforward to make. And then it's just it's good conversation. It's all this stuff that we have in our minds and could talk about forever but otherwise wouldn't really be able to put into a video because red as you said it it would kind of unbalance the trope talk so we mm-hmm. flip the script turn it around and then lead with the one example and then go from there and we just have yeah. a grand old time so that was it, a really fun thing to do and I'm, I'm super excited to do more of those yeah it's it's kind of like the concept of a trope talk turned inside out where in a trope talk you know you explore one trope and how it manifests in a lot of different media and how they do it right or poorly or whatever. And in this case, it's you dive into one specific example of that media and you explore all the reasons it works. I mean, we might someday do a detailed diatribe on why something really didn't work, but I think all of our <laughs> all of our current ideas are overwhelmingly positive and just yeah. like, man, I really love this. Oh, it just gets better the more I look at it. So good. Let's talk about why for uh, an uninterrupted half hour and then trim it down to a conservative 23 minutes. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of, of media criticism online that is just fiercely, harshly, unapologetically negative, and we want to do mm-hmm. the opposite of that. Yeah, so it's more fun to be happy about stuff. Yeah, even though someone pointed out, like, yeah, technically diatribe means angry. It's like, yeah, true, but, like, it alliterates, so we kind of overruled the, the <laughs> fact that that's not necessarily what the word means. <laughs> it occurs to me we could have just as easily called it detailed dialogue and lost all the negative connotations, but... Fuck! (laughs) (laughs) It's too late now, sorry. We're locked in. All right, if anyone asks, we were being sarcastic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Ah, the perfect Uh, defense. It's a perfect defense. Yes. Um, But yeah, no, we had a lot of fun with that. Uh, Just kind of just diving into why something's fun. For future episodes, we're going to try and, like, make it a little more accessible to people who haven't watched the show and don't know what we're talking about automatically. You know, it's tricky because when when you get into something and you're like, man, this really works well, explaining to somebody who doesn't know what you're talking about why it works so well is 
not easy without sounding like a maniac. So um, <laughs> yeah. we're gonna we're gonna work on it. I can't promise we'll be good at it immediately, but uh, give us an outlet for this. And otherwise, I'd be subjecting you know our innocent friends to it about shows they'd never watched or we're trying to watch and not get spoiled for. Yeah. So. <laughs> on that subject, we were talking to some of our friends uh, a week or so ago, and we got onto the subject of Castlevania. Mm. Uh, and at some point in the 20-minute uh, uh, dialogue between Red and I and not the friend we were explaining this to, we saw the moment that his eyes glassed over, um, <laughs> and then we kept going. <laughs> That's always the problem, when you see their eyes glaze over and you can't stop yourself. It's also, like you see the little flicker behind their eyes just go right out, and it's like, oh, no, we've lost yep. them. <laughs> the me channel music starts playing in their head. Also... <laughs> Uh, for you lovely listeners, you couldn't see Indigo silently, furiously gesturing at us because she hasn't finished Castlevania yet. We haven't finished season four. I know it just came out. I'm watching it tonight, but I know both of the people that are on this podcast with me have gotten significantly farther and I will not be spoiled for this show, damn it. <laughs> Don't worry. No, no, no Castlevania spoilers here. Except uh, for the one I the accidentally gave you. Check out the in three to five months. <laughs> So yeah, that was uh, that was definitely fun. Uh, hopefully, gonna do more of those in the future. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, we also had a regular trope talk on my yeah. end. Yeah. Uh, the uh, back to familiar sin- ground. Yeah, uh, sort of the uh, the sins of the father trope, a <laughs> uh, a Patreon requested subject. You can tell the Patreon requested ones because they tend to be much sadder than the ones I focus on by myself. <laughs> <laughs> my topic choices are like the power of friendship, the big guy, and why he's the best character always. And then people are like, what about? revenge <laughs> so um good stuff but no it was uh it was interesting and uh much spicier than i anticipated and uh when the video went up there were a lot of people who were like man this is timed really weirdly considering certain political things that are happening and i was like oh no i scheduled this video two months ago <laughs> i didn't know so, um, it's like when I put out a video that, that contains the line, yeah, it's weird that I somehow veered onto fascism twice the week before the cat or the week after the Capitol riot. Oh my like, god. Fuck. It happens sometimes. It happens when we schedule yeah. videos in advance. That's just life. But also <laughs> let's be real. Something about sins of the father and generational conflicts, there was always gonna be something happening somewhere in the world yeah, that made fair. that timely. That's fair, yeah. <laughs> People are always yelling at each other about this stuff. It's not my fault. But yeah, no, I I, I did have a surprisingly good time with that. Uh, I think it was not very normal by Trope Talk standards. It, it's hard for me to really keep track of that because when I'm writing these scripts, I'm like, yeah, this is, you know, this is what I have to say about this subject. But tonally, they do get a little weird, because with some of the tropes, it's like, this is fun, and I like when they did it here and here. And then with some of them, I'm like, let's talk about why revenge is bad, maybe. You know, it's <laughs> very different kind of tone. Sorry. But, you know, for me, it's just like, oh, yeah, these are my thoughts on this. I, I think it's good. <laughs> I got a lot of reactions that were like, wow, this one's different. And I was like, oh, that's mm, loaded. But, uh, you know, people do seem to like it, although I think we did... Uh, distressed the discord a little bit because the uh the new video discussion room was like oh this is cool but there's two major points she made that we can't really discuss without breaking moderation rules about spicy topics we can't chat about so well i mean the difference is that a discussion in the context of a video is different from opening up that topic to a forum full of people right Uh, and that's part of the thing is that we talk about history we talk about religion we talk about stories we talk about things that are important to people we're gonna we're gonna hit the spice mines at some point oh yeah yeah. Uh, it it inevitably happens but that's part of why you know i think that the reason that we we 
we're both good at our jobs involves the, the <laughs> fact that we know how to mediate those kinds of conversations and in, in how we present information and how we, we have those discussions and how we explain a topic and how to approach it from not necessarily an unbiased point of view, but a, a clear perspective where you can understand what it is that we're trying to tell you. And it's not like we're pulling the wool over your eyes. Like, mm. yeah, you know, we tend to have strong opinions about things. That's kind of how you get anywhere on the internet. But we make those positions known so that it's not like we're tricking you, we're lying to you. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a little spicy topic, but I think you did bit. a really good job in, oh. in not only explaining, you know, how the trope came into being and, and how it evolved and, and what it means, but why it specifically doesn't really like work or make sense from an like an internal perspective and and when you said mm. like that's that's a villain motivation that isn't like in in narratives you have um yeah i'm, I'm losing the thread a little bit here uh that's you okay. have things that can read as hero motivation or villain motivation but really if you look at it like objectively and and mm -hmm. don't put your own emotions into it as like you know as a character as surrogate for you like Avenging a parent's murder—that that that that's villain motivation. That, it that's is, unfortunate shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, yeah. It's a very interesting space because revenge tropes are—I mean—they are extremely cathartic. Like that's their whole point. Like vengeance narratives, if they're like, they feel good to engage with because you're like, this character has been hurt, and man, I kind of want to see them like, I want to see them succeed now. I, I want to see them win, and. There's a lot of really compelling vengeance narrative. I mean, like, that's the entire premise behind The Count of Monte Cristo, uh, mm -hmm. which I, I didn't name drop, but I used a lot of video footage from, I think, like, this six-hour French miniseries <laughs> that actually covers, like, most of the book because, boy, that book is hard to adapt in anything of reasonable <laughs> length. Um, but, you know, it, it's tricky because the, the whole thing in the video is like, yeah, revenge, it's it's an emotional motivation. It feels good, or it, it tells you it'll feel good. And then usually at the end, it's like, oh, that actually didn't feel great. That actually, that felt kind of bad now. Um, but in the moment, and from kind of a, a proxy standpoint, those are very compelling narratives. But that doesn't really change the fact that, objectively speaking, <laughs> it's not a good thing to do. Yeah. Like, you know... If, the, the most excusable ones, and I, I have like charts about this in the video, like the, the most excusable motivations are the ones where it's like, okay, this one person harmed me, so I wanna, I wanna get back at him. Uh, and even then it's like, really what you should probably do from the more heroic standpoint is, this person did bad things. We should stop them from doing more bad things. Like that's the most impersonal, least objectional motivation. But you know, it's, it's, Actually, that, that's an interesting thing because a lot of people in the comments were talking about, like, where does Batman fit into this? And the, the answer is, oh, depends on the writer. Really oh, boy, depends on it. the writer. Yeah. Earliest versions of Batman were not at all revengeance-based revengeance. Oh, my God. Sorry. Just got Metal gear. <laughs> rules of nature, more like. Um, but uh, with, um, with Batman's original motivation, it was, oh, man, this terrible thing happened to me, and it really made me realize how bad crime is. Let's stop it. And that's how you got, like, Campy Batman, you know, Camp Batman, Camp Man, uh, and then later you get certain other interpretations, mostly by Frank Miller, about by how Frank Miller. <laughs> Batman is actually a rage-driven vengeance monster who is basically constantly 
brutally uh, murdering the uh, the guy who killed his parents over and over and over again. Yeah, because that's, that's a healthy that's thing where you do. get the interpretation of Batman that leads people to make the comment online of, oh, Batman just wears underwear outside of his pants and goes to beat up the mentally unwell. Uh-huh. That is the version of Batman that drives that response online. It is, because that version of Batman is not a good person or a hero no, by any metric no. he's just way too strong for anybody to stop it's yeah. uh, whatever but the thing is that motivation uh you can kind of see how it only takes a little bit of a twist to turn motivation a into motivation b of like yeah. all right this bad thing hurt me i want to make sure nobody suffers like i did again can very easily rotate a little bit into this person hurt me and i want revenge i want mm-hmm. to Make, and it, then, you know, when you turn that into a quote-unquote hero motivation, it turns into revenge by proxy on the entire class of people who you categorize yeah. as like the people who hurt you. And this can produce somebody who looks like someone powered by motivation A, which is why people mistake yeah. them so often. But they're not the same kind of character, yeah. and they don't have the same kind of arc. Um, here's, a, here's a fascinating example that will surely be worth a detailed diatribe at some point. You mentioned, okay. Red, that, you know, oh, this uh, the cycles of violence is the plot of six whole Greek tragedies. Also includes uh, the Iliad in, the, in that fold as well. Oh, uh, yeah. In the vein of a Greek tragedy, but not quite, the God of War video games, mm. which start as raw revenge against person who wronged him, Ares, leads to revenge by proxy against the people who enabled him, the gods. And mm-hmm. then after he kills the entire Olympian pantheon and Athena twice, uh, <laughs> uh, he, he books it and goes to the Norse worlds and then finds himself caught up in cycles of violence where he doesn't hate any of the people who are, you know, doing all this stuff, but he explicitly states the cycle ends here. We must be better than this. And his motivation, even though on paper his... His stated goal is still kill the entire pantheon. The motivation <laughs> behind it is fundamentally different. And even though Kratos is still a pretty bad dude, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the motivation and the character implications behind it become very different in the context of this new goal and this new direction that he is operating and this, this new set of guidelines that he is kind of working under. It becomes very interesting as as an example of, of how that can change from from a very selfish, like, you know, narcissistic, I'm right, everyone else deserves to suffer, to all you gods do is ruin people's lives, you've got to be stopped. And it's Which interesting. Is, it's yeah. interesting. Uh, not only is that interesting, certain things in that game make me think that this is going to end with Atreus breaking the cycle for good by causing Ragnarok. Uh Seeing as the small bean is, in fact, you know, yeah, this isn't the twist anymore. <laughs> it's been out for years. He's Loki. Everybody knows he's Loki. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, yeah, no, a uh, very, um, very fun topic to really get in the weeds with. I, uh, I was at one point writing the script like I'm only going to dip into real life stuff a little bit, you know, just a little. I, I, I had to rewrite a joke. Uh, no, actually, I, I left it in. Uh, there's a bit in the video where I say, just to get real for a minute, uh, shocking, I know, let's not make a habit of it. That was from the original draft where that was the only time I talked about real life stuff. And then I added like three whole examples earlier about like Curse of Ham and like yeah. generational <laughs> conflicts. And then I was like, this is way funnier now that I've talked about this for like five uninterrupted minutes. Yeah. Um, but you know, with, with something, the, the name is Sins of the Father. It's 
from the Tanakh. I had to mention where it was from. I wasn't just going to beat around the bush and be like, oh, nobody knows where this trope comes from. Maybe it was ritual purposes. Anyway, the point is we got to whatever. But no, I, you know, I'm not going to not going to pretend like the spicy real world implications don't exist to avoid touching on him. But um, yeah. anyway, my favorite yeah, example so... real quick is the oh, yeah. uh, Capulets and Montagues in Romeo and Juliet with like mm. someone painted the Montague Villa polka dots and there's been blood of the streets in Verona ever since. <laughs> the funny thing is that was one of your jokes. That was one I... of the jokes yeah. that I wrote in. <laughs> when, when I sent the script over, you, you added that and you uh, you added the thing about it being six whole Greek tragedies. Okay. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah. Context. Yeah. That's anyway. actually, long story short, uh, that is a, a version of a joke that my dad told me when I was like a child that... World War One started because someone painted the White House polka dots. I believed him until I was like seven. Oh uh, no! <laughs> so I'm like, I've got, I've just, I've got to put that in there somewhere. Yeah, that, in joke a perfect for me. intergenerational conflict motivation. Anyway, anyway that's that. Yeah. Good videos on yeah. the channel this week. Um, uh, before we we move on to the Q and A section, we've got uh, a couple quick things to plug. For one, uh, next podcast episode, we will have a guest, uh, our friend and fellow uh, booktuber Daniel Green who is in the same sphere of, uh, you know, like, literary criticism and analysis uh, that you will enjoy if, if you're a fan of, of Trope Talks. Uh, he's mm -hmm. great. A lot of fun. Uh, really excited to have him on the show. He had a new book uh, come out this past month called Breach of Peace. Uh, we'll yeah. drop a link in the show notes, and you know, we'll get to hear him talk about it uh, next time. Uh, Red, what else do we have to, to uh, announce? We, for, we don't really things? have all that much, although a uh, standard reminder that we do have a Redbubble shop with a bunch of fun designs. I actually recently just added the... Uh, much requested, hey kid, you like proving yourself design. Uh, so <laughs> that that's up there. It's in one of our collections, I think under quotes. We, we've got a bunch of collections. I don't know if they actually have much of an impact on the site, but uh, anyway, it's up there uh, if, that's, if that's your jam. And we've got a bunch of other wacky little in-jokes available on various things. So I think that one's always linked in the show notes, but link in the, yeah. link in the show notes? Yeah, link in the show notes. Um, yeah, other than that, I think uh, that's basically it for announcements this uh, this this pod uh shall we move on to the q and a let's do it heck yeah hello and welcome to the q and a portion of the overly sarcastic podcast uh, where we answer your questions from ask os pod on discord this first question comes from one of our patrons if you want to support the podcast support the channel head on over, become a patron, and have a chance for your question to be featured as numero uno on this portion of the podcast. So this question comes from Crump to Red and Indigo. We all know the majesty of Blue's cat Cleo, the great sage equal to heaven, but do you have any pets? If not, would you want one? Ooh, yeah, I do not have a pet, but I definitely want one, mm -hmm. possibly several, mostly dogs. <laughs> um, yeah, Red, I believe you told me that, quote, uh, your greatest goal in life is to live in a cabin in the woods with 17 dogs. Yes, specifically <laughs> Samoyeds. It'll be great. Oh, yeah. yeah. I won't need to worry about the whole shedding problem because we'll be in the woods. So, <laughs> it'll be, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, my, uh, that's my grand plan. Yes, uh, I don't have any pets because my apartment building does not allow pets currently, so instead I have, like, 15 plants, but... Uh, <laughs> I can see two of them from here. <laughs> there's three. There's, uh, behind me in my recording setup, I have created a wall of plants to help mitigate ah. sound um, and also to separate my bed from where I work because I work from home and so everything is just in one small room. Um, mm. But I would love, I would love to get a cat or two. I would want to name them Ziggy and Sputnik so that there's a space theme. Um, 
I know. Nice. But for right now, I make do with the four cats that are like just live in the basement of my building, like down by where the laundry room is. Um, they don't belong to anyone. Oh, yeah. They just hang out down there, and me and my roommates bring them treats sometimes. <laughs> you just have basement cats. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. They're everyone's cats. They're our cats. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Sometimes cats just like belong to the community. Um, in weirdly in in Greece and Turkey, cats are fucking everywhere. Uh, huh. they're, it's like that um, in Shanghai like, too. There was a cat, a famous cat named Li, uh, in Hagia Sophia, who was like the cat of the of the museum, who lived there for like seventeen years. The cat was so old, and it was just it just it, it just lived in Hagia Sophia forever. It, it died um, last year Aww. after they announced it would be a mosque again. So I'm not saying, but I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> and then also in Greece, there are cats everywhere. There are some islands just in the middle of the Aegean Sea that are loaded with cats. It's hilarious. I love it. <laughs> I want that chapter in the Odyssey. Oh, yeah. yes. That's the real island. Forget um, Circe. What we needed was the island of cats. That's where Odysseus should have yeah. gotten lost for 10 years. Um, yeah. No, I mean, that's that's where he really did. When he got back, <laughs> his wife was like, what's all these scratches on you? And he's like, I had an affair. <laughs> <laughs> Oh all right, gosh. we've cracked the code. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was actually a very similar experience to what it was like. That was, like, one of the biggest immediate culture shocks of arriving in China was that there were just cats everywhere. Like, there's just strays all over compared to, like, what you see on the typical streets. Mean streets oh, of, like, amazing. the greater Philadelphia area, which was my point of reference. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we want pets, but we don't have them, unfortunately. We all just vicariously live through Clio in the meantime. This next <laughs> this next question comes from Erin624 to Blue. A few podcasts ago, you talked about the two different flags of Venice. Which flag do you own, the dagger or the book? Uh, I own the book, um, uh, which, given my uh, personality, uh, should <laughs> probably be apparent. Uh, even though I'm a fencer, um, I, I, I like the book. Um, yeah. The original version of the flag that I got... Um, the big one just had the book, and that was before I, I knew the difference. And then I had that one on my wall for um, for for like seven years. The my nine euroist flag of Venice that I got <laughs> uh, just in the city. Um, I, I showed up to the to the, like this just random souvenir shop, and mm-hmm. I saw this flag, and I'm like, oh, that's great. And I told the guy in Italian, like, I'll be back, and he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, I came back, got the flag, but that was when everyone was like running to the train station to catch their train so as i was running to the store to get this flag i passed my classmates who were going to the train station (laughs) i was going in the other direction to go buy this dumb flag and i did and i almost missed my train back uh but i got it and i had that for like seven years and then this new one that i just got uh that i posted about on um on twitter and instagram is a custom designed applique style flag so it's it's layers of nylon stitched together like almost embroidered uh, instead of just like the simple like screen printing that I had before uh, and it's so nice I got it done by a company called Gettysburg Flagworks which does like all their own stuff you know made in USA made by hand um, I, I made a design kind of cobbled together of, of different elements of various flags that I liked so like oh I like the proportions of this one and the colors of this one and the the, the designs and shapes of this one and I just kind of threw it all together in my own version and I was like can you guys build this they're like yeah but it'll cost you an embarrassing amount of money I'm like <laughs> fucking go for it uh, and, and now I have it so uh, I, I knew that it had to be 
uh, uh, the book uh, to, to keep with the theme. So mm. that is the one I have. I'm extremely happy with it. Um, my my living space is now complete that I have this, this dummy large <laughs> three foot by six foot flag. It's amazing. I couldn't be happier. I, I feel bad every time I look at the Venice flag. I it it just makes me think of one of those like tear off one of these strips with a phone number on it and <laughs> take it away. Yeah, tear off yeah. one of these strips. The Venetian galley will come to you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, amazing. Excellent. This next question comes from Shortstop to Red and Blue. If you two had to do an episode from a series that the other runs, for example, Red does History Summarized or History Hijinks, and Blue does Trope Talks or Miscellaneous Myths, what would you each talk about for the episode that you had to do? Oh, God. I actually have a really good answer for this. Um, It is a video that has not come out yet. Uh, It's showing up later in the summer. Um, Red, I I will not spoil your video, but I think you know which one I'm talking about. Uh, it is a Greek myth oh, um, yeah, yeah, that is yeah. very closely grounded in history, and it's really, really cool, and I like it a lot. Um, but, Red, uh, here, you give an answer while I think of, of one that I can actually name. <laughs> right. Uh, it, you guys really overestimate how much history I know. Um, uh, I mean, I'd want to do a hijinks, because those are sillier, and mm-hmm. those tend to be the mm-hmm. parts of history those that fun, I yeah. like. But, um, yeah, uh, hmm. I'm really struggling with this. Um, it's a tough question. That's yeah, why we leave it yeah. to the other person to do all this shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I guess like a way to reframe it would be, is there something that you would be more interested in researching if you had to research like a historical time period or subject uh, as opposed to something that you necessarily feel like you're an expert in now to do? Since I guess I... Oh, man. I mean, this this is frustrating because the parts of history that I find the most interesting are the parts I know the least about mm-hmm. and the parts where like I go looking and there's just like, nothing there <laughs> there's like i mean i mean you know whenever i look into norse or you know celtic history after a certain point it's like how much of this can i believe and what's going on um oh man uh our buddy um adam uh slash osp yellow mentioned something to me there's this like period in the uh in in norse history of about 300 years where we've got like nothing and afterwards all of the sun iconography they've been doing disappears they stop putting it in their art like, I think it's like 400 to 700 or something. There's almost that nothing. That is and then... apocalyptic as fuck. <laughs> right? Like, what the hell happened? That's crazy. I want to know what made them take down the sun. Um, wow. Yeah. After a couple of really bad harvests, the sun is canceled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so that, that's the mystery I want to dive into at some point. Um, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I, if I were to do uh, a more mythological video, I'd, I'd probably like to do a video about the mythology around the Trojan War and like what the gods were largely like up to in that space Um, because you know we talk about the alien and we talk about like you know what the humans are doing a lot of the time um, in the narrative but uh, the like backdoor politics of what's going on uh, in okay so okay Poseidon it's your turn to buff the heroes now and then Athena will be able to go and do her shit to Diomedes Um, I think that stuff's really cool and then seeing how the, the gods play the Trojan Wars, their little uh, collective chess game, I think would be really, really cool to, to touch on. Of course, mm-hmm. it's a Greek answer. I'm, I'm extremely simple <laughs> <course>. and predictable. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, yes. The two genres of OSP, Greek and cryptic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this next question comes from Alex Supreme PS4. To everyone, what's a language that you've always wanted to learn, but never had the time to try it out? I mean, most of them. <laughs> like, I think it would yeah. be cool to speak most languages. Yeah. 
Languages are very fun. I have a passing knowledge in several, um, but like not a good knowledge in, in really any but Italian. And even then, I couldn't I couldn't hold a conversation at speed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> those mm -hmm. guys go fast. Yeah. Um, I would be curious to learn probably like one of the Celtic languages, like mm -hmm. Irish would be super cool. Um, mm. Or just like way other side of the planet, uh, Maori would be really neat. Uh, I think that's that's pretty rad. But then I'd I'd have to go there way more often to make use of it. <laughs> oh no! The yeah, no, exactly. Um, yeah, um, yeah, I have a couple of answers. I have a five language plan for the five languages that I'm going to speak before I die. Is I'm just going to take the most. I've got English. I'm going to count that because you know what. <laughs> It's, hmm. it's a sum total. It's not about the individual accomplishments, right? Uh, I'm, yeah. I like to say I'm functional in Mandarin, not fluent. If you drop me back in China, I could get around. But um, the language that I would want to learn that's kind of like not in that initial group is uh, Mongolian because I think it's cool as heck. It's like, <laughs> do I think I'd ever use it? Absolutely not. Do I think it'd be so cool if as a party trick you could just whip out like, hey, I'm fluent in Mongolian and just start going? Absolutely. It's like Cyrillic based. It's niche enough that you're probably not going to run into another Mongolian speaker in the continental United States, like on average. It's, it's a fun time. I think it'd be neat. Wait, Mongolian is Cyrillic? Yeah, it's it's huh. kind of it's, it's got an interesting what? like amount of um, influence from like the kind of like East Asian language group and also but like Russian is right there, too. You know, like it's. Mongolian has like a Cyrillic alphabet that it's based in. Whack. That's that insane. So That's super cool. cool. <laughs> um, you can find like uh, Peace Corps textbooks on languages and they have a lot of really interesting lesser spoken uh, African languages and a lot of the um, Southeast Asian uh, languages from that region that like you might not be able to find reliable textbooks on elsewhere. So if you're ever looking to learn a language, definitely check out the Peace Corps like free PDFs. Um, not going to help you with speaking so much, but would be really a good basis for speak uh, reading. And they have one on Mongolian, which huh. is where I learned a little bit of how the alphabet That's works. That's pretty rad. It's really that cool. That is other, rad. I'm gonna two other answers that I just thought of are, are languages that I, I don't know like what I would do with them, but they just sound so nice. One of them is Farsi. Farsi or Persian just mm -hmm. sounds gorgeous oh, yeah. when you hear people speaking in it. Um, mm -hmm. And then also um, the language or family of languages spoken... Uh, uh, in the Iroquois Confederation and, and oh, the yeah. lands uh, adjacent to thereof. Uh, absolutely beautiful language to listen to. I remember when I was playing Assassin's Creed 3, I'm like, this sounds so pretty, what the hell? <laughs> so yeah, those two also go on the list of just like, that. them yep. some nice sounding languages. Yeah. <sighs> just want to know all yeah, the languages. <laughs> just all of them. Like, I, I've, you know, I learned Spanish for like the first, you know, 14-ish years of my life, and uh, I'm not good at it. I can understand it. And that kind of means I can understand a lot of romance languages because a lot of them are kind of mm -hmm. the same. Uh, and I know enough Japanese to be able to half understand almost any sentence I can hear in it. But that just means I know like the pronouns and the sentence formations. <laughs> um, but it's like languages that I want to learn. It, I mean, I already tried twice and I couldn't. So, <laughs> you know, um, I don't know. I, there's a lot of languages I want. I wish I could understand. Um, Speaking it, I think, appeals less to me just because I'm bad at it anyway. <laughs> um. What I really like is um, the kind of media where they will, like, set something in a place, but they'll use that language. So, like, the Netflix movie uh, or show uh, Barbarians, which is about um, Roman conquest of Germania uh, and the failed one. Uh, no. It's There's no English. It's German and Latin. It's so Whoa. cool. Yeah. It's so awesome. 
Uh, and then there was the scene in the Assassin's Creed movie when all of the, like, Spanish Reconquista stuff is spoken in, like, Spanish. And it's super cool. It's it's just a shame that the movie sucks ass. See, those yeah. are examples of, like, the lawful good version of something being entirely in the language it should be in. Because as someone who's taken a lot of language classes in her life, those the, like, lawful evil opposite of that is, like, the textbook lessons that are intentionally all in, you know, whatever your target language is. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're absolute nonsense stories. So it's like... Da oh, Wei yeah. goes to the park to visit his friend, except you say that all in man. Like, those textbook videos haunt my brain. And so whenever something is, like, all in a language, it takes so much work to turn off the, this is not a study tool. This is for enjoyment thing. Even though, you know. <laughs> yeah. I also watch a lot of foreign films, so, like, you get a lot of uh, oh. things that are just in that language because that's what who made it speaks. Um, and most of the time they're better, but it's, it's hard to turn off that... Uh, we're not learning right now. We're just enjoying media switch in yeah. your brain. Yeah. That's why I loved the Cambridge Latin course so much because it drops you in with, here's Pompeii fucking exploding. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> God. Oh, yes. Excellent. Yeah. Oh. Well, this next question comes from occasionally nihilistic Lego man. To all, where are you on the introversion extroversion scale? Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Am I allowed to say I think the model's deeply flawed? Sure. So I have trouble answering the question because of that. Uh, I really, really like people, but not strangers. I love hanging out with my friends, but I don't like parties because they're too loud and crowded and I can't talk to anybody. Um, I uh, don't really like being isolated because being alone is unpleasant but I don't like being in a crowd full of people I don't know, but I do like being with my friends, but you, you see the problem, it's like mm -hmm. introversion, extroversion, how do you factor in whether or not you know the people? Yeah, it's it's a very simplistic scale and it has its benefits. Um, uh, usually in terms of like a business setting is where they talk about that stuff the most, but mm -hmm. uh, according to the scale, I would classify myself as an ambivert because I am very much in the middle, but really what it is for me is I also don't like being in, in, in large groups of strangers. I like hanging out with my friends, but not for too long. And I mm -hmm. like being able to spend time with myself, but not for too long because yeah. on the extreme of one end, I get tired. And on the extreme of the other end, I get bored. Um, so I need to, I need to bounce it around. I need to mix it up. So uh, I need to have like the rotating basis of like, we're hanging out. Now we're not. Now we are. Now we're not. Uh, otherwise I will get sick of it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm an extrovert all the way. I like people, and I don't yeah. like being alone, and so I like to uh, constantly be communicating with someone, which is why I'm on Twitter so much. <laughs> I mean, I do that too, but I just don't like parties enough to feel like a full extrovert. <laughs> I tried going to a couple. It was really loud and annoying, and I couldn't even talk to anybody because it was too loud. It's like you go to a place that's full of people, but it's like you're functionally alone because you can't talk to any of them. How is that extroversion? <laughs> That just sounds like you like noise. And drinking. And drinking. You know, that might be a factor, because I don't do that That's, either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a flawed metric, but a metric we were asked about nonetheless. Um, this, yeah, next yeah. <laughs> this next question is from Pyro to Red, Blue, and Indigo, and whoever else might be on at present, which is nobody. Uh, what is your hmm. favorite cartoon now, and what was your favorite cartoon as a kid? Has it changed? And if so, why or why not? Favorite cartoon now is tricky. There's a lot of cartoons so that I like for various different reasons. Castlevania's a big one. But yeah, I won't for get me into it's that. Castlevania. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm also uh, just, the more I rewatch it, the more I appreciate how 
good the She-Ra reboot is. It's just oh like, my God, oh, yes. so well written, just so well done in every way. But uh, longtime viewers will not be surprised to learn that my childhood favorite cartoon is Reboot. And <laughs> oh has no, I remained... gave an excuse to talk about Reboot on the podcast. <laughs> I am astounded you didn't see this coming. I mean, it's like, oh, this will be fun and chill. No, it's Reboot. Of course it's Reboot. <laughs> reboot was one of the only cartoons I had access to as a kid. And when I came back to it, it was still good. It was better than I realized because I got all the references this time. It was wild. That show's really good, and I, it annoys me so much because it was like it was animated in the '90s, so the 3D animation is mm-hmm. chunky. So I can't convince anybody, all of us privileged kids these days with photorealistic <laughs> CGI, who are like, I don't know if I'm willing to watch a show where everyone kind of looks like an action figure and they're using really cool reflective surfaces on everything because they just figured out ray tracing technology. And I'm like, you don't understand. That's not what makes this good, but it's not what makes it bad either. It's just good and everyone should watch it even though it was really chunky and made in the 90s, but don't watch season four. Season four is not very good. Everyone up to season three is good and then you can just stop after season three. It's got like a really good finale and everything. It's fine. And it's like all online. They've got like a website for it and it's legal and I don't even think there's ads. So yeah, everyone should watch it and it's available and easy. And it doesn't matter that it's really chunky. It's fine. My answer's Batman. Hell yeah. <laughs> I really like the Batman animated series a lot. It's, it's the reason that I like Batman. Mm-hmm. Like I never read any of the comics. I never did anything else. Uh, mm-hmm. I got to the Nolan movies late. Um, but it was just like, ugh. Batman the Animated Series, Batman, and then Justice League, like, so good. And Batman Beyond. So good. And Batman Beyond, which I watched also a lot as a kid. Before I understood that Batman Beyond is just what if Batman was Spider-Man. Yeah, (laughs) but even then. I still really liked it. It's still really good, uh, because Spider-Man's fun, and somehow they made that ridiculous premise good. Um, Yeah, a lot of the the DC animated cartoons are really good. Um, Oh, underappreciated gem. Uh, They did like a Green Lantern animated cartoon a few Hmm. years back. Uh, It was was Bruce Timm's style, but done in 3D, which I'm not 100% sure how well it worked. I think it threw a few people off. But the plot is really fun. And it's my my favorite thing about that show is that it's got, you know, Hal Jordan is the main character. It's got Kilowog. And then the entire rest of the show is about these two original characters having a romance. It's like somebody got, like, a two-season contract for their fanfic. And I love it. It's really good. (laughs) (laughs) So good. I mean, uh, favorite cartoon as a kid... Uh, I, I we didn't have cable when I was growing up, so it was pretty much whatever was on the four kids lineup for that week. But consistently, oh, ho, ho, ho. oh, oh you four know, four kids, you say? You know, we watched <laughs> that terrible four kids dub of everything. Hell um, yeah. But Wings Club, the 2003 Ninja Turtles, and then all of the subsequent Ninja Turtles cartoons Ooh. that came with it, because they were first they were in the sewers, right, in one series, Match. and then they fast forwarded to the future. Because the more things change, the more they also stay the same. In the subsequent series uh-huh. that was in like 2006, uh, and then they went back to the sewers, which was the title of the third series. But they kept some of the technology from the middle one. So there's a whole arc of like uh-huh. early 2000s Ninja Turtles cartoons that I guess I'm gonna go with as my answer here because I've been talking about them for the last couple seconds. Um, okay, question, question. Yes, yes. If you watch the 2003 one, that that's a, that's the 2D animated one, right? Yes. Did- did you ever see one of the episodes where an anthropomorphic rabbit samurai showed up? Oh, absolutely. My boy Usagi, <laughs> the star of his own comic series, mm-hmm. which I also mm-hmm. deeply beloved from my childhood. Yes. Another yes, thing yes, yes. everyone should look up, Usagi Ojimbo, <laughs> the comic. 
Oops, gave Hell yeah, you should. Accidentally gave Red a question to just uh, recommend media that she enjoyed as a child. <laughs> you fools! You've made me too powerful. Uh, oh, you know what the right answer is? I also like is? Looney Tunes. Oh, yeah, Looney Tunes is great. <laughs> um, I was a big Pokemon kid. So we gotta gotta go for that. But then I think now one of the things that I similar to Red like the Ca- Castlevania is a fantastic show that we're not going to spoil on this podcast. So we're gonna just continue just moving. moving. Um, yep, just moving on. And like the She-Ra reboot is just so good. Uh, but I think wow. what's really fun watching cartoons now as opposed to when I was a kid is that it really there are elements in cartoons now that when you're watching them feel like they were created by someone who watched the same shows that I watched as a kid. Um, I noticed yes. this especially with the flavor of the show The Owl House, which is also excellent. Yes. Um, so, so cute. Uh, so good. So good. But, like, there's a lot of references and kind of plays on tropes in there that I'm like, oh, hey, I remember watching that kind of show as a kid, and now it's the kind of show that people who are making shows watched as a kid, and so you get a lot of, like, ah, hey, this cartoon is not made for me, but I can connect to it because I can connect to the person who made it in an interesting way, which has been fun. I will say one of the things I really like about the current wave of reboots is Mm -hmm. you're getting a lot of people like, not not our age, but like, you know, five, 10 years older, Mm -hmm. who grew up with like the 90s cartoons and the 80s cartoons that, that we were sort of into by proxy. And they, I've seen this sentiment and I'm really happy, which is, I want to make the show that I remember watching as a kid. Yeah. Um, like that. That's. Uh, I think that was the design sentiment behind the Voltron reboot. No idea how well they pulled that off, but I like the first six seasons anyway. Um, and th- that's what they're doing with the with the new He-Man remake. Yes. Or actually, it's not even a remake. It's a continuation. Apparently, it's supposed oh. to continue from the plot of the original. I didn't know the original had a plot, so that say, was I news don't to me. Really remember much um, of the plot of He-Man? I just remember a lot of Skeletor yelling. Yeah, I mean, obviously I've never watched it because it was before my time and also, like, come on. Um, but I, I've i seen the stuff and it's like people have been doing, like, design comparisons between the original and the remake and uh, it's the same designs but being drawn by the Castlevania animation team yeah. so everyone looks hotter but they don't look different. They <laughs> they didn't change any of the costumes. Like, I, I love the, the way the She-Ra cloths. reboot handled it. They committed yep, to it. Yep, gave them the loincloths. They gave them, like, the, the, the V-neck all the way down. It's it's so good. Like, I like the way that the She-Ra reboot handled it, where it's like, you can see the design elements carried over from the original, but no character looks the same. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really fun. I think that really works. But I also really respect how they're doing the He-Man reboot, where it's like, they're taking a show that is objectively very silly and not taken very seriously and they're like when i watched this when i was six i took this shit incredibly seriously (laughs) and i'm not gonna disrespect that by apologizing for how it worked or whatever i'm just gonna take that and i'm gonna own it and i really like that i think we've had enough cynical remakes that seem embarrassed of their source material i think it's time to get really really sincere Mm -hmm. yeah there's there's something to be said for and i this is kind of what happens with I feel like most of the pieces of media I like the most regardless of what they are is that if you have a concept and you just really commit to it you end up with something great one way or another um oh yeah yeah commitment commitment to the bit commitment to the really bit. works it's the most important yeah. thing in life <laughs> 
Hell yeah. I also really like Samurai Jack, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the good stuff. <laughs> that was why I pulled this question, since we did just have a video go up where you guys talked about a cartoon you liked from your childhood. But again, it, that, it's on me for forgetting that any time we give Red the opportunity, Reboot is going to be brought into the conversation. You fool. Now, I would like to sequester the next 50 minutes of this podcast to talk about all the reasons I love Samurai Jack. <laughs> to begin. Well, it's only fair. <laughs> I assume no, you have yeah, an itemized anyway. list to be working from here. We're not just going in blind. Um, excellent. Yeah, it's called every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, we've got time for, I think, just about one more question, and then we'll wrap up this <laughs> roaring episode of the podcast. Uh, this comes from yeah. <laughs> Golden Donut. To all, if you had $15,000 to buy a really cool but useless item, what would it be? Uh, you can't see Blue looking over at his Venice flag. <laughs> it did not Justin cost that much money. It did it not. It did not. <laughs> it didn't, but I could see it. Hmm. Just a 15, much. 15000 That's a really awkward amount of money. No, uh, like... this is great. You can get a really, really, really well-made custom sword. That's what I was going to uh, say, damn it. Oh, true. <laughs> or several, several oh, custom it, swords. Yeah. Like, because the thing is, like, $15,000 is, like, is way too much money for, like, any, like, random thing or decoration mm -hmm. that you put in your house. But, like... It's not enough money for a tank. Or, yeah, so it's not enough money like, for a car it, most of the time. It's, it's in a yeah, yeah, or a car. Yeah, some yeah. some go for like 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 mid teens nowadays, especially if you do. get one that's not brand new. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, no, a, a really good sword. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's got to be some kind of just stupidly fancy, custom yes. made. Like like you start with a perfect replica of the master sword because everyone needs one of those. Oh, and yeah. then you, you're like, what's left over? Oh yeah, let's see. What what can I do with this? Hmm. Well, Oh man, I mean, you know, our, our buds at that works are probably just like, yes, yes, <laughs> come. Oh uh, man, um, Ellie, I hope they're doing well. Uh, yeah. They've been making some great content recently. I, I was just thinking, um, I, I watched a video from Shadowversity like a while back um, where he talks about why the Master Sword from a design perspective is really weird. And Ugh. I've always thought like the Master Sword just looks odd. like. No part of that sword looks balanced in the slightest. <laughs> it's not about how it looks or how it's balanced or how it would work no, I, in an actual well, combat one, situation. Yeah, one of my favorite swords from media, and most swords in, in like fantasy stuff I, I think just look kind of stupid and overdesigned, but Alucard's uh, Estoc from Castlevania mm. is such a good sword. Why is this podcast? Uh, and I like how it can fly. How many times can we and bring up Castlevania on this? <laughs> we had, I had one request at the top of the show. One! Well, that just put it in our heads. It just made it fresh in our minds. Uh, um, and now that I have the Alucard code from Volante Design, all I need is Alucard's as stock, and then oh I just have to no. grow my hair out and I'll be set. <laughs> <laughs> Look out for the future of Blue's closet cosplay of Alucard. Oh, man. <laughs> um, oh, God. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think... There's a lot of fantasy stuff that's over-designed, and I, I'm so glad that over-designed is a word I know now, because it's a complaint <laughs> yeah. I've had for ages. Like, sometimes when, when, when I was still taking, like, commissions and had the Patreon commissions open, people would be like, can you draw this Fire Emblem character? And I'd be like, <laughs> sure. Like, uh, I mean... Wasn't the worst League of Legends? Oh, yes, yeah. the worst was League of Legends. It's yeah. like, nobody needs that many different fabrics on their outfit. Come on. <laughs> uh. Your limit is six belt buckles, mm -hmm. sir. Yes, excuse you. Can, can any part of your outfit be symmetrical? Make my job just that little bit easier, but no. Um, yeah, that, that bugs me. I, I don't know. It's 
it's one of those things where, like, if you're just sitting down to draw one character, you can make them as complicated as you want. But if you have to draw the same character over and over again for, like, if you're doing a comic or an animation, you should probably streamline that shit just a little bit. I don't know. Um, oh, you know what would be a really cool waste of money? It's just a really ornate, fancy, like, coat or, like, cloak, you know, like a, mm. like a cape. True, but we are going with useless things. That's and true. And everyone knows capes are the premier form <laughs> of fashion, so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You go like for one of like the really intense lightsaber um, replicas. You know, if you're gonna go for the sword yeah. direction, but you wanna make it a little sci-fi. Oh yeah! Did you guys see those new like actually retractable lightsabers? <gasps> no. Yeah, Disney put out a thing. We're getting way into the weeds here. <laughs> uh, basically, apparently, some some whiz uh, over at, at at Disney has figured out how to make like fully retractable like Force FX style lightsabers that they will now be selling for an arm and a leg, presumably, uh, at the <laughs> Star Wars park, or Star Wars land, whatever, Galaxy's Anakin edge, joke uh, here. Yeah, it's Galaxy's uh, Edge. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that will presumably um, uh, about double the price of admission. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but apparently those exist. Now they put out a video about it a few weeks back. Oh, um, sick. So maybe that'll cost $15,000. Who knows? They haven't put out pricing info awesome. yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is, uh, as Blue said, we're getting into the weeds here. I think the short of it is we all just really want cool swords. Um, yeah, swords. And speaking of getting out of the weeds, we should do that. So, Red, do you want to take us home? God damn it. Every time. Uh, we, every time we only have this conversation every episode. It's, there's no way you could have predicted that this is where we would end up after approximately an hour of recording. I get in the zone. <laughs> I lose track of time. What do you want from me? To do All the right. end card. You want card. me to take the outro? No, I'll do it. I, I mean, at this point, I've got it sort of memorized, which is good because I'd have to scroll back pretty far to find where I actually have it saved on my phone. Oh, uh, anyway, <clears throat> thank you all so much for listening mm-hmm. to our Overly Sarcastic podcast, which we do as a podcast. It's a podcast. You listen to it. It's you true. don't watch it. I made that mistake last time. Uh, <laughs> if you liked what you listened to and you want to hear more, we have more episodes of the podcast, but also we've got links to our various other things like the channel, which I assume you came here from. Uh, in the show notes, that's correct. And we also have links to other interesting things down there, like the things we mentioned. So check those out. Um, if you have a question for us, we have the Ask OS Pod channel on our Discord. You can pop in there to ask us a question for the pod to be featured eventually, maybe. Um, yeah, let's see. Uh, <laughs> I guess until two weeks from now when we do the next episode, I have been read. <laughs> I also like to watch Looney Tunes a lot when I was younger. That's also yeah. a cartoon that I really like. Good shit. <laughs> and this has been an Overly Sarcastic Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back on June 9th with special guest Dan Green. If you have a question for us or Dan, be sure to head to Ask OS Pod on Discord for a chance to be featured next episode. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And as always, all the OSP goodness you could want, including a YouTube channel and Patreon, can be found linked in the show notes below.